one, we again say a great welcome to all who are gathered together in the house of God tonight. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. I want to speak for a few moments tonight on the curse of the grasshopper, the curse of the grasshopper. Lord, we thank you for your word and life that it brings and strength that it brings, and we ask that you would direct us tonight. We give to you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. One of the greatest passages of Scripture, one of, there's, <laughs> there's many, Micah chapter 7 and verse number 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. If you feel like you're sitting in darkness, there's a God that wants to bring some light to the situation. And so tonight I've come to declare that you need to speak faith into that situation and hope that maketh not a shame into that situation and bring light into that situation instead of darkness. Amen. We typically use the first part of the verse and our focus is usually there. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. That's more of a personal thing. In my own walk with God, when I don't measure up or when I make mistakes, I'm not going to stay there, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep moving forward. We don't typically focus on the last part. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. We gain more faith about the falling and the getting up. But there are some situations that we find ourselves in that are dark situations. It is a situation of darkness. Well, praise God. There is light and light more abundantly in the world that Jesus brings to your situation. And there are a lot of people that want, will want to define and describe your, your situation and the darkness that can't be comprehended and all of that. But I'm coming to you tonight to tell you that there is a light that can shine. God is still in the miracle working business and he's still able to provide examples exactly what we need. So if peradventure you came to the house of God tonight feeling like there was a little bit of shade that was cast your way when we entered into the sanctuary tonight and started praying and worshiping, there's a God that knows how to pick us up and elevate us up just a little bit higher than when we came and when we leave, we'll look at things a little differently because a light shined on it. I have a feeling that tomorrow is going to be better. And I resolve tomorrow to make it better. 
I'm going to persevere. And perseverance relies on getting up again. If you've had a circumstance in life that you haven't measured up, tonight from this pulpit comes faith. You need to get up and say, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to do better. I'm going to make things better. Tomorrow is going to be a better day than this day was because all things have become new and old things are passed away. You can close the book on tomorrow or on today and yesterday, but tomorrow is an opportunity for a new day. It just depends on what your mentality is and what you're thinking in your head and more importantly, what you're saying. I don't want to speak negativity. I refuse to follow a report of fear, doubt, and unbelief. But in the house of God tonight, I want to promote something that is great, something that is worthy, something that is good, something that is pure, something that has faith in it. Praise God. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37. We get these kinds of words. You talk about great prayer terminology. Here's great prayer terminology. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm not only a conqueror, but I'm more than a conqueror. I exceed the expectation of what a conqueror is. You say, I don't feel that way tonight. God declares it in this passage of Scripture that you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, but I'm in darkness. There is nothing that can separate you from what you need from God. You say, yes, but my situation looks dark. There is nothing that can separate you from the counselor walking in and responding to your situation because the scripture says he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. If you need peace in the house of God, there's a God and there is nothing that can keep you from that. There is no evidence in this passage of scripture. There is no room for doubt. There is no room for conjecture. God puts his stamp of approval on it and he says to you, you are a conqueror. There is nothing in this passage of scripture that would describe anything less than being someone who is able to overcome. This is one of the charges that the world puts against people of faith. It doesn't matter what happens. You people all fall the same direction. If it's bad, God's going to help you out. If it's good, it's because of God. You got it exactly right. And that's okay. Guilty as charged. When it's bad and it's real bad, the only way that's going to get us out of troubles and badness is faith in God and a God that can turn that around. That's exactly right. I would be a fool to tell you anything differently. We don't get out of our troubles based on our own making and our own doing. We get out of our situation because there's a God stirring the pot saying, I'm looking at this and I can do something with that. So you got it exactly right. When I'm in trouble, my faith is somehow God's going to help us out of here. When the world looks bad, I'm trusting in the hope and the promise of God that he's going to return. See, that's how you Christians, that's how you are. When the world's full of confusion, you're looking for a God to take you out of the confusion. You got it exactly right. 
Then they say, and then when everything is good, it's all about God then too because it's God that did this and God that did that and you got that exactly right as well. Nobody gets the credit. Nobody gets the determination on the blessings of God except for God. So if I'm doing well, I'm doing well because of God's goodness in my life. If I'm succeeding, it's because God's blessing is upon my life and I want to worship him and praise him for that. My expectation is, God, I want to give to you thanks for that. Praise God. There's no bit of, of doubt in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37 through 39. There is faith. The mentality of a conqueror does not think in terms of failure, but something that can be learned. And what does not go well can be adjusted. Praise God. The mentality of someone that overcomes does not think in terms of failure, but something that can be learned. That's a powerful statement that's coming from Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. God is able to make you overcomers. You can learn from whatever it is that has happened in your life. There is something I can learn from this. Even when it's painful, mm, there's something that I can learn from this. I have scars on my body from things that have hurt me, and I can tell you that I have learned from those situations. I will never do those things again because I learned from that situation. I'll never forget we had a great garage sale. It was out there. There was stuff everywhere, something to do with the daycare. People brought all kinds of stuff. And somebody brought this big weight equipment thing that had all these attachments and what have you, all these pulleys and stuff. It was quite elaborate. And so there was a gentleman that was connected to Sister Myra. I think it was Walter. He came and he was looking at it and he said, does this thing work? I said, yeah, let me show you. I grabbed one of the attachments and I attached it and I got down to do a bench press. But what I failed to recognize, <laughs> that bar was pretty heavy too. What I failed to recognize, it didn't latch when I shoved it in. So I set it for a good amount to impress him, you know. <coughs> and when I pushed up, it slipped out of the, the bracket and it hit me right in the forehead. So I have a, this is not an age, this is not an age wrinkle right in the center of my forehead right here. It is a scar. I was seeing stars. And it was such a good sales job that he bought that he said, man, he said, he said, man, I can't, I can't walk away and not buy this thing now, can I? <laughs> that was pretty impressive. There's some things that we learn and we, and we can learn from our failure. Praise God. Did you know why God has put you in some situations that you're in? so that you can be a testimony to somebody else because they're going to come along and think there's no way that I can survive. And you're going to be able to, you're going to, be able to say, oh, yeah, you can, because I've been there, done that, and I bought all the T-shirts and all the other marketing stuff that they've got. I bought it all. You can make it, and God's going to help you make it through. Anybody got a testimony here tonight that God God. God empowered you. He's given you a testimony, and you learn from some of those mistakes, and you're here because you focused on how you can make it better. Amen. What doesn't go well can be adjusted. 
not everything goes exactly as planned. The mentality of a conqueror is, I'm going to make some adjustments. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. What makes a just man? According, just, just according to this passage right here, Proverbs is tied into a broader framework, but a lot of the Proverbs are just sayings and they stand alone. And this one stands alone. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. What makes a just man? According just to this context of this verse, it, the, the, the answer is a just man is one who gets up. Or a just woman is one who gets up. And so much can be said here about what you say to yourself, what others say to you. About how you view things. A just man or woman is one that rises up again. That's what makes a just man. And a lot of it, the determination of a lot of it, whether or not you get back up and move forward, a lot of it has to do with what comes out of your mouth. You need to have a mouth that's full of faith and not a mouth that's full of negativity and doubt and fear and unbelief. Praise God. Have a, have, have a vocabulary of faith. If God said it, I believe it. The word says it's yay and amen. God is in control. He is fully capable. It doesn't matter what it may look like. I'm going to approach things in faith, not in doubt and not in unbelief. I'll tell you emphatically standing here before you that I do not want to be around someone that always have, has an evil report. That's going to be a drag on my spirituality, on my walk with God. Amen. It's going to be a pull and it's going to be a drudgery in my life. I want to be around somebody that can build me up and that can lift me up, that has faith, that has confidence, an exhortation of God's goodness. What comes out of our mouth has the ability to bring life or death. James says the tongue is like a hellfire. Because what comes out of it can so easily destroy. He said the tongue is something that is so small, it's like a rudder on a ship. It's small, but it, it makes the determination of where the ship is going to go. Depending on what you say, it's going to make the ship go a certain direction. You say, I want revival. We can have revival. That's going to make the ship go the direction of revival. Well, I don't know if revival is going to happen in this day and age. The ship's going to move toward no revival because that's what's coming out of my mouth. If what's coming out of my mouth is faith, there's going to be a product. There's going to be a witness. There's going to be evidence of the faith. If what's coming out of my mouth is negativity, there's going to be an evidence of the negativity that's coming out of my mouth. Probably won't be any praise. Probably won't be any worship. Probably won't be any positivity. Probably won't be any Holy Ghost. But if there's the Holy Ghost that's in inside of you and the presence of God that is burning in you, there is going to be a witness and an evidence of what is churning on the inside of you.
It's a body of faith. It's the evidence of faith. There can be some major destructive forces against hope. I've never forgotten this verse in Romans chapter number 5. I'm not sure why it's stuck. I say it often in prayer. 1989, I was a Bible quizzer. We were learning the book of Romans. And so this is one of the verses that stuck in my mind. It's something that I constantly say. And that is verse number 5. It's very simple. And hope. Maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He gives to us a hope. What is hope? Hope is the expectation that God, you got to put God in the equation, right? Biblical hope is the expectation that God, through his power and his ability and his spirit, is going to make things better than what they are presently. A hope that maketh not ashamed through the empowering of Jesus Christ says things can be redeemed, things can be sanctified, things can be justified, and there is a better conclusion. Ultimately, there's a better eschatological conclusion. Jesus Christ is going to return for his church. So that is a hope that I am connected to. Praise God. Everybody clap your hands together. They're just taking care of a slight problem. It's all right. Amen. So hope is, is the ex expectation that through the empowering of God, there is something that is going to change. And so there are some, there's some deconstructions of hope. Man, I have hope. No, you don't. You get all the negativity. The deconstruction is the tearing down of the hope that is in me. We have a hope that maketh not ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed of the hope that is in you, that things can be better through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. You, you need to recognize, okay, it may be dark. Uh, I may have fallen. Uh, I may have circumstances in my life that, that are deconstructing, that I feel are tearing me down, but I've got a hope that maketh not ashamed. And God is able to change this and make things work for the better. There are deconstructing forces that try to tear down a hope that maketh not ashamed. You look into the fields of psychology, it's very fascinating. I remember taking my first class at Minot State University in 1990. The first class I ever took uh, at a four-year institution was psychology. It's very fascinating. And one of the names that obviously uh, came to the forefront was uh, Sigmund Freud. And Freud was one of the <clears throat> giants in the field of psychology, and he believed that all forms of mental illness were rooted in the unconscious childhood conflicts, that everything went back to things that happened in your childhood. And then later in life, through the development of humanity and maturity, some of those things become problems, and they all go back to these unconscious things. And so there was a, uh, this has been kind of the standard in the industry for many, many years, but there was a new standard that was suggested and that was the idea that cognitive behavioral therapy approached the situation and the behaviors connected to and attached to the particular problem. In other words, instead of trying to go back and look at all the things in your past that are unconscious, things that you're trying to dig up, trying to find, and 
Again, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm only telling you on the different branches. Going back and trying to make determinations of unconsciously what happened that are the present circumstance that you find yourself in, cognitive behavioral therapy said, let's, let's look at your behaviors and how you're reacting to the situations that you are presently facing. And so when you start talking about those things, it forces a person to make a determin determination and have some accountability of what am I doing presently with this problem? How am I facing it? What's coming out of my mouth? What, what are my aims? Why am I depressed? And all these other maladies that I'm facing. There's no matter uh, of understanding childhood sufferings that are going to eliminate some things in our life, but we can, instead of having negative self-talk, we can approach things and change our behaviors rather than looking for an scapegoat or an excuse, an scapegoat to apply so that we become perpetual victims, we can start saying, what, can I, what, what is it that I can do right now? Who's at fault here? How am I responding to things? How can I change some things? And that becomes a skill that is learned that we start saying and doing things that help us through our situation rather than being depressed all the time. You know what's going to happen when you go up to people and they get the same old poor me kind of thing? They're going to at some point... They're going to avoid you. Why? Because you're bringing a big cloud of depression with you. Praise God. I'm, I believe that all of us have struggles and difficulties, ups and downs. But I believe that the Holy Ghost gives to us greater power than people that are in the world. And so if there's this perpetual depressing spirit that is on you, that you're always complaining about everything and everybody and this isn't right and if only this would have happened and wouldn't have happened people are going to run from that after a while what you need is the presence of God in your life that is the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory doesn't mean you're going to be happy but it means you're going to be joyful I may not be happy because of my present circumstances but I've got joy knowing that I've got the Holy Ghost in my life and God's the great physician and he's going to help me through this God. God's going to help me through this. God is going to empower me through this. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. I think I can. You're right. I don't think I can. You're right. You're going to be right based on what comes out of your mouth. How you think may become how your enemy leverages you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the curse of the grasshopper. Because we see this in Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess the land. We are well able to overcome it. They went out. They sent out spies, 10 spies. They looked at the land. Children of Israel had been wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness. Now they're coming back into the promised land. They send out some spies into the promised land, Canaan land, Jericho. They look, they scout it all out. They come back. Caleb gathers them together before Moses, and he says, let's go. We are well able to overcome. I love that. <laughs> Caleb. Caleb was one that had the right mentality. 
he said, let's go up at once. I mean, let's not delay. Let, let's not wait. Let's go, he said, because we are well able to overcome it. I like that kind of faith. We're going to have revival. Let's go. We're able to do this. Let's, let's try this. Let's go because God is going to be with us. We are well able to overcome. But the men that went up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great statue. And there we saw giants, sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And here it is. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Do you see the, the, the distinction between the two approaches? Caleb didn't view himself as a grasshopper. Caleb said, we're well able to take, I don't care how big they are. <laughs> they're big and they're ugly. We can take them. <laughs> the other said, we're grasshoppers. And they were grasshoppers in the sight of the inhabitants. It all had to do with the way that they were thinking. And so this grasshopper mentality produced a certain approach that was a negative approach, a damaging approach. It was powerful in that what they said became what was put into action. You better be very careful about things coming out of your mouth that, that are casting judgment that then become the definition of something. Don't you ever say to your children, yeah, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. Don't you ever say to your children, you're stupid. Don't ever say that. You're planting something into their spirit that may go with them that they're going to think somehow they're defined by what you said out of your mouth that they're stupid. Now, you can say some things like, well, that was really stupid. There's a difference between an action and a personal thing. I'm not attacking you personally. I am attacking what you did. That was kind of dumb. You can. <laughs> Abuse is both what you say and what you don't say. Did you know that? Are you aware of that? I can be very abusive in what I say, what comes out of my mouth. And I can also be abusive in what I don't say, right? If I'm just, I don't know where I got off on this, but we're talking about parenting. And, and make sure that you don't say negative things towards your kids that make them feel inferior. And then don't just be silent either. Because in a lot of times they're looking for affirmation from the most important people in their life. And that's you. And so when they do something well, affirm them. When they do something not so well, direct them. But don't be abusive in your language. This is not good. This is not good. I've seen people in grocery stores turn on their kids and just tongue lash them with all kinds of language that just causes them to curl up and wilt. It's almost like a flower. You can just see it. 
That's sad, 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 sad. That shouldn't be in the house of God. Why? Because we're children of the king. That's why. We are sons and daughters. We are heirs with Jesus Christ. What they said became what they put into action. One such quote went this way. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they've never failed to imitate them. Have you ever... Have you ever said when you were growing up about your parents some of the things that they did? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <clears throat> it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. That is the... Until you have children, right? <laughs> and you got to discipline them. And you, you've already said it. When we get home, you're going to be disciplined. And then you have a hard time following through with it because it actually, you would rather take the punishment rather than, than them feel the discipline of it. So sometimes we don't listen, but we end up imitating and doing things. And so words, words have significance. Our language exposes our biases. Here's some that are very interesting. I found this very fascinating. Some of these come out of our own mouths. Well, at least you tried. <laughs> I mean, it didn't work out, but at least you tried. Or great job, you're so talented. Or this is hard, don't feel bad if you can't do it. Or maybe this just isn't your strength. Don't worry, you have other things to contribute. Those are things that we typically say. And, and just a slight tweak can change some of that. This is actually a study between a closed mindset and a growth mindset. A closed mindset is what I just read. A growth uh, perspective is instead of saying, well, at least you tried, is you're, alert, you're learning. I like that. I, I'm enjoying right now. We're playing basketball on Monday nights, and we got a whole nother crop. And it's a lot of fun to watch them because some of them are not as skilled. I don't think Trent Rodriguez is here tonight. Uh, he came down. Is he? Trent, are you here? Hey, he's right there. He said, man, he's, uh, he said, my brother's really good because he's played a lot of basketball. I don't really know a whole lot about basketball, but I'm just running around. I said, that's awesome. You can make up for your lack of skills by hustling. And then eventually your skills are going to pick up and then you're not going to be looking at other people saying, you know, I'm not quite there, right? You're going to get there as long as you continue to work hard at what you're doing. And it's fun because you're seeing growth. That's cool. I'm 50 years, well, not yet, 49. I'm still hanging on. I'm, still, I'm, I'm out there playing basketball. I'm having as much fun watching these guys develop and grow as I am playing. That's, that's what it's all about, is growing. Not only in basketball, but growing spiritually. You know how exciting it is to see people grow spiritually? That's like the fire in the engine. When we as a church, doing everything that we do, all working together in unity to see somebody grow spiritually. 
You know what's powerful about word shots and young men and ladies getting involved in, in pastors assisting and doing stuff, opening doors for people? You know what's exciting about that? There's a growth there that's taking place. Growing. I'm not stuck in any, any particular place, but God is moving me and he's growing me. Great job. You're so talented. That didn't work. Let's talk about how you approached it and what might work better. It's a growth process. Great job. What's one thing that could have been done better? This is hard. Don't feel bad if you can't do it yet. Have high standards and hold yourself to them because you can reach them. And so there are some spiritual ramifications to the way that we think. A fixed mindset is like a closed box, and you're not going to get out of it. That's not the mentality of where God wants to take us. God wants to take us because there's a God outside of things that is directing us and pulling us closer to him. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is pulling us. God is drawing us. Things are not fixed. They don't have to stay that way. Well, I, I was born into a family of alcoholics, so I'm always going to be an alcoholic. No, you're not. Not by the empowering of the Holy Ghost. You can change things. I'm just always going to be a vagabond. I'm just going to wander around. That's what I've always done. No, you're not. Not when God brings blessing into your life. You're going to have your own abode, your own place, because God's blessing is going to be upon you. Well, I'm Irish. We just, that's what we do. We get mad. You don't have to get, you're not in a fixed box. You don't have to just get mad. You can get glad because God has done some things that has changed you moved you out of that and developed you. And this is the business of what God does in our lives. Praise God. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. God is calling you to greater things. God is calling you to growth. And there are competing worldviews that are going to suggest different determinations about your life. Fixed. Or is God going to do great things in your life? The church is about preaching and teaching a growth modality, which is wherever you are right now, God can do something with that and make you greater. Praise God. Wherever you are sitting on a church pew right now, there are better things coming your way. You are not in a fixed condition. Amen. God is able to develop and work through you. And so the world tries to define us by what we see around us. And what do we see around us? 
dysfunction and confusion. You know what's very exciting is there's some people bringing guests to church and they're in the midst of dysfunction and confusion, but they're saying, look, we can grow out of where we are right now and there are better things that can be attained and had if only you won't be defined by the world because the world's going to define you right to your destruction and right into more dysfunction. God doesn't define you that way. God redeems you from whatever it was that you're in. He sets you in a state establishes you in a place, he puts faith in your heart and life, and then he gives you a purpose and a destiny and a mission and a work to do. This is what the church is. It's godly, it's holy, it's righteous, it's modest, and we are conformed to his image. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants to establish you. God wants to grow you. God wants to develop you. God wants to use you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse... Number 18, Brother McAllister, if you would come tonight. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. I believe Bishop read this Sunday morning. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as, or how is that going to take place? By the Spirit of the Lord. God's changing us. We are always changing you don't get in a fixed position where nothing changes. We're always changing. And we're changing, according to this passage, into the same image from glory to glory. Ask yourself, if we're in the image of Christ, is there any understanding completely of his ability? No, there's not. When you feel like you get to the place that you know all about God, God reveals himself in a greater way. This is why two exclamations are found in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom of, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We are changed from glory to glory into the image of God, which means tonight in this service, I'm working on changing more into his image. And that is a possibility. I can grow. I can become better. I can do more for God. Isaiah chapter 64, verse number one. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. I want God to open up the possibilities outside of all these neat little boxes that the world tries to put around everybody and everything. And I want his light to shine in what may appear to be darkness. Not only for me, I want it to shine for others. We stand together in the house of God tonight. I want it to shine for others. You may feel tonight, I just feel this in the Holy Ghost. You may feel like you're in a little bit of darkness and the enemy is throwing shade on you.
Praise God. I'm telling you tonight, there's a God that wants to put a little bit of light on it tonight. Amen. And if that's how you feel at the conclusion of a service here tonight, it can be something very, very simple, a simple matter of faith of saying, God, I want you to grow this situation and work this situation so it's for your glory and it's for your honor. Amen. If you feel that way tonight, I want you to step out of the pew where you are, walk into the well and say, God, I'm here. I'm in the growth business. Amen. I want you to shine a light on some things in my life. Praise God. I don't want the enemy to bring destruction and confusion. Amen. I'm not going to rejoice in the failures and the falling, but I'm going to rejoice in the fact that God's a God that shines a light in the darkness and brings strength and anointing. Hallelujah. God knows exactly where you are tonight. Amen. And he's the light that comes into the world. Amen. Some may not comprehend it, but tonight in the house of God, I'm comprehending it. I'm standing before him in his presence. And I'm saying, God, I want you to take me out of all the little tight boxes and definitions that the world wants to put upon us and, and wants to describe and define us by. But tonight, I want you to define me. I want you to develop and grow me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, just for a few moments tonight. In conclusion, Lord, I thank you and praise you and worship you. Let a bit of light shine on me, Lord. Let a little bit of light shine on me. I thank you. Make me broken so I can be healed. Because I'm so callous. 